0: Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way
1: to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Today, we discuss about improving crawling and indexing in your SEO strategy. It's very important today because when you create content, you want to be indexed and ranked as well. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Steven Van Fessum. How are you? Hey, thank you very much. I'm doing really good. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing great. We chatted a little bit about uh Monday, you know, <laughs> today yes. Monday, Monday, Monday. Uh, yeah, and on this day, I love it because uh, let me explain why. I remember when uh, I I had hating job, uh, even not hating job. That was business, you know, and I chased money on that direction. It didn't work well because uh, I, you know, I tried to earn money, but I didn't love this direction. I wasted a lot of resources, time, more than three years and got it. No way I can't go ahead with that. I quit and after that, I started to love money. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, I've seen the same issue with Neil Patel. Uh, he shared a story about poker, when he created a website about poker, he couldn't get results because he didn't know how to play poker. He tried to earn money with that as well. And today, uh, I think the most important issue in creating content, you need to love what you do. You need to understand the topic. You need to be passionate, you know, because you can't overcome other content creators without sharing your heart, you know, without sharing your attitude. It sure yeah. makes everything a lot easier. If you love uh, yeah. the subject you're you're covering for sure. Yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> Steven, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with, with us about improving crawling and indexing. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm obviously Steve.
0: Um, I'm the uh, director of organic marketing at Conductor. Conductor is an enterprise organic marketing platform that helps enterprise businesses get a lot more out of the organic channel. I have done SEO for most of my adult life. I know this uh, makes me sound like an old man, but uh, I think it's been what, 16, 17 years. So I've, yeah, seen my fair share of stuff in the SEO uh, scene, um, worked at an agency, ran my own agency, pivoted into, um, a SaaS startup, uh, called Contaking, which was acquired earlier this year by Conductor. And, um, I basically, uh, I'm still doing the same thing as I used to at Contaking. I get to do SEO and content marketing. Um, mm-hmm. that's what, uh, gets my, um, uh, heart beating faster. So yeah, nice. excited to nice. be on the show.
1: <laughs> nice love it by the way i i often see conductor content you know uh online uh valuable content uh i'm interested about uh, your strategy can you share practical tips how to create a content strategy because you know uh, i check out a few studies that uh Most webmasters have no documented content strategy. They usually create content with generic topics. That's why they can't get results. That's why they can't get high positions. Uh, Just copying others, replicating the same content. Can you tell about your strategy? How uh, many people can see your content, including me, because I often see conductor content. I love to learn something new. Uh, Share about practical tips, creating uh, strategy. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah. So first of all, um, you got to choose a, a topic you're comfortable writing about, um, and it needs to have, um, a strong tie-in to the business. So, um, like for example, for a conductor, it makes sense for us to write about, uh, things like keyword research, uh, SEO content strategy, uh, competitor research, and so on. Um, so it's one of the things that's super important is that you need to be able to, um, write about a topic where you have a tie-in to to your business. And you got to pick the um, fights that you can win. So, for example, if you um, are going after queries that are super competitive and you're going up against sites that have been around um, a long time, um, oftentimes you'll find Google ranking in the top three results uh, for certain queries and, like... Y- you can sort of tell it's like, okay, this is, this isn't a, a battle I'm going to win. So you t- need to take a different approach. So for example, what I, um, I did at, uh, uh King, I wrote an article about, uh, uh, some of the errors you can find in Google, uh, search consoles, uh, index coverage report. And people were searching for, um, like what these issues really meant. Um, and they were doing that because my theory was uh, Google's own support pages were not helpful enough they weren't explaining why it was a certain issue and how you could fix it uh, so i i wrote that content which was super exciting because i love crawling and indexing um and i have a lot of experience uh um uh, to, to share um and that's uh, how i start putting together those uh, those articles and um yeah they they've done really well so mm. that's that's yeah, that, that's one example. And one of my rules as a, a content marketer um, is not to create content uh, about a certain topic if, you, if you're if you not certain that you can create the best possible content out there.
1: Nice, that's nice, love
0: yeah. So one more thing to add. There, there's obviously some exceptions. Like if there's a strong business purpose for a piece of content, then you can say, okay, um, I'm, I'm not going to adhere to that rule. Uh, but in most cases, um, it, it's, a, it's a very strict rule.
1: Okay. Valuable. Uh, okay. Let's talk about uh, crawling and indexing. For example, uh Uh, I often get the question uh, uh, from webmasters, uh, uh, for example, uh, someone has uh, 100k uh, pages, a lot of them, and uh, Google only indexes like uh, 1000 pages, ignores like uh, 90% of uh, other pages. Can you tell uh, what to do uh, at that point, and do we need to re- index all these pages? Because sometimes indexing doesn't mean ranking, yeah? It means uh, Google just mm-hmm. indexes, but you can't get any traffic with these pages. Uh, please provide your insights about indexing uh, pages for, uh, le- let's imagine, e-commerce website that have uh, many product uh, items. Uh, how to index all of them, and do we need it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's start with the last question first. Do you need mm-hmm. all of your
0: content to be indexed? Yeah, uh, definitely not. Um, and and Google is very particular nowadays about the content they choose to crawl and index. Anyway, they really they're really looking for high value content. Uh, so if you have, um, for example, some issues with uh, filters. Um, that are uh, crawlable and indexable, uh, like they're going to disregard those uh, or like low low quality um, SEO pages, uh, things like that. Yeah, they're going to get disregarded. Uh, A lot of uh, paginated pages often don't get indexed, which is fine. As long as they are crawlable and search engines can find the products that are on those pages, then it's all good. Um, So I think like if you've got an e-commerce store with 100,000 pages and only 10,000 are indexed, I would say that's not a good scenario uh, because you likely have a lot of uh uh, products on there um, that like do require uh well are deserving of uh, um google's attention and need to be indexed um having said that uh how can you improve that so usually e-commerce stores have um, the issue where there's not enough ways in for search engines to the actual content uh, so your um, category pages subcategory pages may not be uh, deep enough your like your site architecture and I often look at this like a uh, as a pyramid uh, it needs to have this layered categorization um, because you want to make sure that there's enough entry points for search engines to find all of the products and all of the relevant pages so you got to leverage internal linking structure uh, you got to build backlinks as well. Uh, Perhaps you need to fire up uh, a blog section where you write about like the the 10 uh, best um, uh, kitchen knives, for example, uh, for 2022, uh, and you link to your uh, product pages from there. So you got to think about this like, hey, how do I make it um, uh, worth Google's time? um so obviously yeah you got to focus on high value pages uh but you need to have all those entry points for uh google as well
1: mm-hmm. okay uh, let's talk about uh log files uh how uh, log files can help you know uh to index and crawl uh the entire website so when you when when you think about log file
0: analysis traditionally people think about importing like a uh, CSV file into uh, Excel and then Mm -hmm. manually slicing and dicing that data. And they, they have just a ton of data on their screen. It looks like garbled messages um it's it's very hard to uh to really get insights from so there's log file analysis applications that enable you to get like bigger picture um insights from that for example hey um search engines are spending a lot of time in this area of the site uh but it's largely non-indexable so maybe you, there's like a crawler trap there's some holes in your internal link uh, uh link structure where uh, engines are finding their way uh into the site and they kind of get lost Uh, So that's how people typically think about log file analysis. Well, um, things like that are useful, but are super time consuming. And Mm -hmm. because of that, people only do it maybe once a year um, when they're running big sites. And your content teams um, that are constantly writing new, new articles, having trouble getting the content crawled and indexed and ranking, um, they're basically left without any m- meaningful insights uh, as to h- how Google's crawling and indexing the site. So there's um, uh, the, the majority of the content delivery networks have um, log files available on CDNs. And it's basically uh, like a plug and play feature uh, where you can import those log files into other applications. In this case, um, we build uh, an integration for Content King And Contaking is a a real-time SEO monitoring solution that um, basically indexes your full site and then keeps on checking for issues and changes. So it has a complete snapshot of everything, all of the content on your site. And it continuously pulls in log file insights. So for example, if the homepage on our site is getting crawled right now by Google, I would be able to see that live. Uh, So that's pretty cool. And that's information you can pass off to your content teams. Like, hey, you published these articles over the last uh, couple of weeks, keep an eye on them. So you can see whether um, Google and other search engines have already crawled uh, those uh, those pages. And then you can use uh, Google Search Console or Bing Webmaster Tools to see like whether they uh, are uh, indexed yet, et cetera, et cetera. And for the people listening in that don't know what a content delivery network is, it's basically a giant network Um, of service across the whole world. And when you're using a content delivery network for your site, Mm -hmm. you basically help visitors connect to the nearest server um, available to them. So for example, for me, I'm in the Amsterdam area. Uh, I would connect to the Amsterdam node of the content delivery network. But if you're in New York, for example, you'd connect to the node in New York. So it makes for a very fast um, user experience
1: basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Uh, You mentioned a few tools. Can you tell your list of tools that you use in your practice uh, that can help to find such issues with indexing, crawling, and anything else?
0: Yeah, um, like many SEOs, I have a pretty full toolbox. Um, uh, Google Search Console, uh, Google Analytics, the Conductor Platform, the Contaking Platform. I use SEMrush. I use Ahrefs. Uh, use Google Data Studio to pull data together and to marry data together as well. Um, I would say those are my, my main uh, go-to tools. Uh, I don't use one platform because every platform has their pros and cons. Yeah. I basically use the best platform for, for my use case.
1: Yeah. Got it. Uh, What kind of benefits conductor has uh, compared to uh, similar tools that we have online? Uh, Because, you know, I I use a lot of tools as well, and I usually uh, see some benefits or uh, advantages of using uh, uh, particular tools. Uh, Tell about conductor benefits. Yeah, gotcha. So I would say most SEO platforms
0: are pretty hard to use for people without a technical background, and that's Mm -hmm. where conductor and king is different because it's it's a lot easier to use. You don't need months of training to, to be up to speed on the platform. Um, it's not bloated with features. So it's very easy to find your way around within those platforms. And because of that, the platforms can be used within larger teams. So uh, for instance, devs, project managers, uh, content and web teams can basically work together in one platform. So it has all of the pros that other platforms have as well. But it basically um, uses an integrated user interface that's just a lot easier uh, to use and streamlines the whole workflow.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. Uh, On Conductor, I can find a list of keywords. You know, uh, I want to ask about uh, choosing the right keywords because uh, I still see when uh, webmasters... uh, uh, cheese high volume. They see oh, uh, for example, high volume. I want to create this content, but it doesn't mean that you can rank because of the competition. It doesn't mean that you can sell with those keywords, for example, even if you get traffic. Uh, For example, if I uh, get in the top 10 results with the keyword SEO, it doesn't mean that I can sell because uh, this keyword is more uh, for hrefs and uh, SEMrush. And it's hard. It's really extremely hard to get these top ranking positions. Can you tell how to find the right keywords today uh, by using keyword research, uh, how to choose priorities? Because, you know, I see uh, often webmasters create a lot of content at scale, mediocre content, but not high quality, the best uh, content. Uh, uh, Provide your insights how to find the right keywords and choose priorities on them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question.
0: Uh, I think you're... Uh, addressing a valid point. A lot of webmasters just look at, for example, Keyword Planner or one of the SEO tools and say, hey, this uh, query has uh, uh, like 30,000 searches a month. Uh, I'm going to go after this one. But it turns out that everyone has that idea because it looks like a very juicy uh, query to go after. And it ends up having a lot of competition. Uh, So, I like to be um, uh, more strategic about the, uh, the queries I, I, I choose. Uh, I look at a good combination between um, the competition, the search volume, the search intent, like what are people really looking to solve with this query and w- how it ties into uh, the product uh, or the service that you're offering. So it's basically a combination of those factors that determines whether or not um, I go after that uh query and one of the um uh, approaches I, I like to use is basically to uh um uh, use like a, a shot across the bow uh tactic where you put up a content piece and it starts to rank and you start to gather google search console insights from that yeah. and you're you see and say hey I put in X amount of effort, and I'm seeing that we're already ranking on, like, say, um, the top of page two for a bunch of queries. Uh, so you try to push that uh, content piece up, um, and say it doesn't work. Maybe you need to break down, um, break it out into subtopics, and kind of create like a, uh, a hub and spokes model, where you have a hub and then spokes around it.
1: You it, my loving strategy, you know, (laughs) the best (laughs) keyword research in Google Search Console, because if you see some pages uh, rank, uh, sometimes uh, what you need to do, you know, I I remember uh, I had a client, uh, the topic was weight loss supplements, and he told me, okay, if you can provide fast results, uh, I can share a huge budget, but you know, it's hard. In SEO, it's hard uh, to provide high results, quick results. It takes time. But I found on his website that many uh, pages rank well, uh, but not in the first positions, uh, some of them from 11 to 30. And uh, he wrote... uh, titles and descriptions for the sake of having them. Uh, He didn't provide a strong reason, you know, to open content. So we uh, fixed a little bit and Google rent uh, websites higher. Uh, We got a lot more traffic and cooperated with this client uh, more than two years, you know, with really good contract. That was like 40% of all my uh, other clients can pay. He paid this money. Yeah. And because of uh, just fixing uh, something in Google search. Console. We found this issue and we did it. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay, let's talk about uh, uh, about indexing more. Uh, for example, um, uh, let's imagine we have uh, a big website, uh, many pages uh, not indexed, uh, and uh, you you mentioned that uh, of course we need to understand: do we need to index them or not? Uh, for example, if we know it's important we can get more traffic and uh for keywords I don't know like t-shirt red t-shirt green t-shirt uh, blue uh, sometimes it's not the case it's better to rank just uh, one page but uh if people use these keywords that means we can uh, rank all of them can you tell how to find this balance between do we need to index pages or not for example i i often see uh, the same with iphone for example iphone 13 uh, white uh, black uh, and other colors uh, but uh, uh, in the top 10 i can see only one iphone you know uh, that have uh, this features to choose uh, the best color. Uh, but uh, on other uh, examples, I can see no way it's better to use colors or any other uh, features. Can you tell how to find this balance? Do we need or not?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, I think you're raising a point that a lot of e-commerce stores are, are struggling with, like you know, yeah. that, that t-shirt, if you have it like uh, in, in like 10 colors, and yeah. Okay, that's nice. Uh, people can order 10, 10 different colors uh, and maybe even like five different sizes as well. So you have fifty options. Uh, are you gonna gonna create product pages for all of those those variations? I don't think you should um, unless like you your product offering is, is quite limited and. Mm-hmm. Um, like there is like a clear split in your your product offering say say for instance you have like 50 t-shirts in total um and like uh one-fifth is red one-fifth is blue one-fifth is green one-fifth is yellow one-fifth is black for example then it makes sense to target those specific colors but if it's like if you have like tens of thousands of products and all of those have variations like what are you going to do are you going to write Uh, unique content for for all of those variations like sizes and colors and then for all of the products uh, like if you're going to do it automated which you could um, like what are you really um, going after are you creating meaningful content that adds value for for users I think in most cases you'll see that you don't and and the best approach would be to just canonicalize all those variants to like a uh, the canonical version of the product Um, and then Take it from there i think you'll see on a product by product basis that there is like a lot of um search demand for a specific color um then you could uh deviate from that strategy but that that's basically my approach um i would choose the like the safe way canonicalize to to the main version uh Mm -hmm. and then on a page by page level see hey does it make sense to Break off uh, this as a specific product and uh, start optimizing that. Especially in the beginning, uh, it, it, it doesn't make sense to take the like the
1: bottom up, just try to target everything approach because it's just going to fail. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Love it. Love it. Especially, you know, uh, for example, uh, do we need to have all this traffic, you know, online? Sometimes if you choose priorities uh, to uh, just index the best content and yeah, you can get uh, traffic with one page. uh, But uh, when you are trying to cover all possible colors, features, it's possible that you have mediocre content uh, uh, or... uh, duplicate content or canalization, many other uh, scary words. So, yeah, it's better <laughs> to avoid them. Uh, can you tell about crawl budget? How to measure crawl budget uh, today and uh, how to, I don't know, like uh, how to handle the process of uh, uh, crawl budget? hmm Yep. So if you look at crawl budget, um, Google will say, hey, this
0: isn't something like a a typical webmaster has to worry about because it's really only an issue for a larger size. So, for example, if you run a site with like a a couple hundred or a couple thousand pages, crawl budget isn't really a worry. However, if you look at all of the best practices around optimizing crawl budget, a lot of it comes down to linking to the right pages and having a strong internal link structure with focus on the right pages and like, like just a sound internal link structure. And that makes sense to everyone, regardless of the size of the site. So that's interesting. Keep that in mind. Now, if you're dealing with sites of, say, like a... 100,000 plus uh, into the millions of pages, crawl budget becomes something you really need to prioritize um, as in technical SEO. Um, And crawl budget is basically um, a measure of how many pages uh, search engines are willing to crawl within a certain time span. And the bigger the site, the more authority, uh, the more regular content updates that you push, the bigger the crawl budget so look at it as um, the attention a search engine has for your site and then think about this how can you best use that attention Uh, like for example if you have a slow site like search engines um, are gonna be able to crawl less pages um, compared to if you have a, a fast site so having a fast site is important to make the most of the crawl budget. Could mean um, like, hey, uh, for small sites, Google's only uh, crawling uh, 1,000 pages. For a fast one, 20,000. Differences can be this big. And then if you basically take Google uh, and and other search engines by the hand and lead them to the right pages, pages you are looking to optimize and prioritize, uh, you're helping them Uh, spend their crawl budget on on the right kind of pages. Does
1: Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, of course. Of course it makes sense. Okay, I I have the question about common SEO mistakes that you uh, can see in your practice because, you know, many webmasters still do obsolete stuff uh, that don't uh, work anymore. Uh, I don't know, like to create mediocre content or rewrite existing content. Anything else? Share your uh, common mistakes that we can see and how to choose priorities on that? Mm-hmm. I
0: think um, the most common mistake people make at the moment uh, is that they are churning out content and they're just focused on publishing an X amount of pieces of content every month. Yeah. But they don't look at the quality, that, like their, their whole uh, creation uh, process uh, and distribution process is just lacking. Uh, so they uh, th- maybe they buy it, maybe they write it themselves. But I think most companies just churn out run-of-the-mill content. That's not adding value if you look at what's already out there. So you should always be focused on creating more value than what's out there because like, w- why will s- uh, search engines otherwise uh, prioritize your content over other content, right? Mm-hmm. So Think of it um, this way. It's like you really need to sell your content to search engines. So the better your story, like the easier it is to sell. And then when it comes to distribution, I would say most folks don't have a plan. They basically publish it on the site. Um, they uh, request indexing in Google Search Console, tweet it out, put it on LinkedIn, and that's it. And the article will fall flat. Um, and like, it won't get you anywhere. So you you need to have a solid distribution plan in mind. So for example, um, reach out to newsletters, work together with uh, partners uh, and other folks on this article, uh, ask them to help promote it, et cetera, et cetera. So you need to have a very strong um, uh, plan in place. And I know, you know Rand Fishkin, uh, he's a big proponent of um, of this. One of the, th- the things I've learned from him is he asks, okay, when you start writing an article, ask yourself, who's going to help me promote this article and, and drive traffic. And if you answer that question, everything
1: else that comes next will be easier. Nice, nice, love it. Yeah, I spoke twice with Brent Fishkin. You know, he spoke yeah. on my podcast, uh, uh, he spoke on my event. So, yeah, great insights. I, I love all his stuff that he he's doing. Uh, and we have interesting question about stressing on white hat SEO or just working on quality content. Uh, you know, it, that's a good question because, you know, um, for example, uh, let me tell why. <laughs> uh, um, I see two, uh, uh, two different SEO specialists. The first uh, SEO specialist believes that you need to provide link building. The second can tell, no way. You don't need link building. And you know, all of them are right because uh, some specialists don't provide any link building and get a million traffic. Uh, they have own benchmark authority and they create links worth content. So instead of uh, spending some budget with link building, they usually spend this budget to improve quality and create better content. Um, that, that's okay. It works well for them. Uh, some uh, SEO specialists uh, uh, usually create content like branding and promote so like 80% of time. Uh, to to get more links, uh, to get more promotion. As you mentioned about, yeah, it's better to promote, distribute content with uh, your um, newsletter and something like this. Can you tell how to find the balance between uh, promotion and creating content at scale? Because, you know, for example, Forbes uh, don't promote. They have a loyal audience. Many mm-hmm. other websites yep. have loyal audience. They don't need promotion. Yeah, uh, so... Their audience can distribute content. Can you tell how to find this balance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if you're uh, a
0: smaller brand, you'll need to um, like take that approach. As you quoted Brian Deans, like, hey, I-, I put 20% of my time into creating the asset and 80% in promotion. And uh, in the beginning, that's really necessary. And what you'll see over time is that the promotion part will become a bit easier. But I think like um, if you spend like one third uh, on creation and two third on the promotion side, um, like, you'll get a lot better results. Maybe sometimes it's 50 50. Depends on how easy the, the, the topic goes down uh, and, and how lovable and interesting people find it. But I think at a minimum, I would spend like 50 percent of the time on promotion, but in most cases,
1: probably more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it depends, as usual. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I have the question about, uh, let's imagine, you have no experience, skills, anything. You started from scratch. Uh, What will you do today to learn more about SEO? I would
0: probably start by um, creating a blog, like just a simple blog. It doesn't really Mm -hmm. matter if it's Substack or WordPress, whatever. Um, Just start writing. Uh, and start trying things. Uh, So from a technical point of view, uh, I think most of these platforms are fine. Um, And you could just start writing uh, and experimenting. And then I would probably start with uh, Google's own documentation on how they see SEO and what they think webmasters, uh, site
1: owners should be doing uh, and and take it from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, You know, uh, I remember when John Mueller on Twitter, Uh, Tweeted about uh, one interesting thing that uh, uh, I think it's very important because, you know, uh, he tweeted that uh, uh, webmasters pay a lot of attention to SEO instead of doing, for example, to upgrade knowledge, to learn how it works instead of doing something to share value, uh, to pay more attention uh, with activity, not learning, for example, I see, um, I found a few great YouTubers who don't know anything about keyword research for YouTube channels. <laughs> they just create film mm-hmm. content and it works well. They have a huge audience. They don't need uh, to know anything about keyword research. Um, and uh, can you tell... Uh, how to find the balance between uh, to learn more about SEO and doing something to create content, to promote content. Uh, Because, you know, when you uh, overlearn, it doesn't mean that you can provide all this insights. It doesn't mean that you can use it. Uh, It's better to do something, you know, to implement, to uh, test, Mm -hmm. to fail. Because, you know, failing only brings a new experience. Can you tell from your experience, uh, your balance between learning and acting? Yeah. Uh, so
0: in my experience, it's it's uh, best to spend the majority of your time on doing stuff, being in mm-hmm. the trenches, uh, writing content, distributing, promoting, optimizing, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you can spend all day reading SEO articles, just fire up Twitter, uh, and go to all of the, the sites. Uh, there will be plenty of content to keep you busy for the day. But if you don't act on that and start implementing stuff that you read, then it, it has no value. It's like, yeah. Uh, buying a couple of math books and then saying, Hey, I'm like, like super, a, a super good mathematician. It doesn't work that way. If you've done none of the exercises and you don't understand how it works, then yeah, it, it's worthless. So yeah, it... like 90% of your time should be spent in the trenches. Like if you're a, an SEO, like a hands-on
1: SEO. Yeah. It's the same, like, uh, to read a hundred books, how to play soccer. If you don't play (laughs) soccer, (laughs) if you don't spend time to hit this ball 10,000 times, you know, I'm not sure that you can be a good soccer player. Of course, you need to practice. You need to do something. Then learn. And uh, I know some specialists who don't learn at all. You know, they just do the stuff and they get results because of doing. Uh, So, yeah, I think it's important to learn as well. Uh, but uh, to get ideas, to find the way where you can go, then you can adapt knowledge, skills, and go ahead. Uh, I have the question about the future of SEO. Uh, Steve, please predict, forecast the future. What kind of future will be? Because uh, we still have the question, SEO is dead or not. What do you think about the future? So SEO is definitely not dead and won't uh, go
0: to die anytime soon. Uh, thing is, people will always be searching for answers. They will always have questions. And the way they think, they, they search for their answers is going to change. Uh, so maybe they're typing. Maybe they're talking to Siri. Maybe they're talking to their car. Um, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, um, they have uh, a need and there is content, could be written, could be video, could be whatever, uh, that answers that question. And it's up to... Uh, us, SEOs, mm-hmm. uh, to uh, make that match. And maybe the term SEO will change over time because it'll not be a search engine anymore. It'll be different. Uh, but the, at the end of the day, there's information that's that's looking to find um, uh, another party. Um, mm-hmm.
1: And as long as people are around, um, we'll be good. Nice, nice. Okay. Uh, uh, can you tell just one thing? did uh, all webmasters need to do today? Uh, for example, let's. Uh, 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 we have many insights on this podcast, but uh, if you can do just one thing, what uh, will you do? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, something I um,
0: like doing is uh, when creating a content brief. Uh, so a, a content brief is basically um, a document that I use to outline uh, how i'm gonna uh, write a content piece what the content piece goal is uh how i'm gonna achieve my goal etc etc and one of the things i define in the document is called jobs to be done and it describes what a visitor should be able to do after reading the article Uh, and defining that up front and also um, uh, describing what the scope is of the article um, basically limiting it to something because you can go out to spend a week writing. It doesn't make sense in most cases. Uh, so describing jobs to be done and the scope of the article really helps you in, um, writing a
1: piece that makes sense for, for your audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I have the question about uh, page speed insights, uh, or any other similar tools. Uh, for example, you know, when, um, I add pages uh, to this tool. I can see like uh, red line, uh, yellow line, uh, green line. And many masters uh, are mad, you know, to get this 100% by page speed in size. And they can, I don't know, like uh, to decrease the quality of content just for the sake of getting this uh, 100%. Can you tell from your experience, do we need to do it? Uh, and uh, for example, if we compare user experience and uh, getting 100% with page speed size which one is better <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so uh you can definitely provide a good user
0: experience uh provide valuable content and get that 100 percent um mm-hmm. but the, the the thing is so core web vitals is part of the page experience um mm-hmm. ranking factor basically so it breaks down in a couple of things among which is core web vitals. um and you need to look at your own score relative to your others um, your your competitors within your space. So mm-hmm. if everyone's scoring uh, around the forty percent mark, and so are you, you're just as good or bad. It doesn't really matter. So if you improve your page speed, you're gonna get ahead a little bit. Uh, but like if if you're all scoring the same, uh, it doesn't mean that you're basically lagging behind someone else. So yes, hundred percent would be nice. But if you're sitting at forty, maybe fifty percent. Yeah, could be fine as well. And it could mean that um, uh, you should spend your time on uh, other things that will have a more meaningful impact uh, to your business, such as, for instance, um, focusing on creating more valuable content. So Mm -hmm. it it
1: really depends in many cases. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that and uh, valuable content is a must have, Uh, not rewriting, not uh, mediocre content, not anything, you know, it's better, less, but quality. Because in SEO uh, without high quality, super high quality content, it's hard to go ahead. And I have the final question about consistency, for example, Uh, you know, I see when uh, two recommendations. The first recommendation, create super high quality content. Uh, And uh, even if you post one time a month, that's okay. But uh, just uh, the best possible quality content. But the second approach from uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, shares you need to create a lot of content at scale uh, because uh, and i love this approach as well because uh, you know it's hard to create high quality content if you have no experience if you have no confidence mm-hmm. you know uh, when you write one time a month uh, i'm not sure that it will be high quality without having experience to create a lot of content at scale can you Tell how to find the balance between consistency uh, of uh, and uh, finding your, uh, for example, approach? Because uh, if it works for branding, it doesn't mean that it works for everyone from your experience. how to mm-hmm. do it. <clears throat> Exactly. So if you're a large uh, brand, could be a
0: large personal brand like Gary Vee or Brian Dean, um, life is pretty easy. Uh, so when you put out a content piece and everyone knows you, distribution isn't that hard. Now, if you're new to the game, you're just getting started, you need to be very smart about the topics you choose to cover and how many content pieces you're gonna produce, on what platforms, et cetera, et cetera. So if you take the Gary V approach and you apply that to a starting business, you're gonna fail uh, because it doesn't work. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of Gary V in general, um, but the thing is you, you gotta uh, pick your battles. Uh, So, for example, if you choose to do YouTube videos because you think that's really going to work well, you're going to use that as a distribution channel. Do that. Don't do Instagram and TikTok uh, and and the other platforms as well. Just try different things. And if you see that you're getting traction and that something's working for you, go for it. But don't do 20 things uh, just a little bit. Uh, Focus on a couple of things. Do them well. Uh, try them. And if it works, then that's great. You could try to replicate that success on different platforms, different content types, maybe, but don't go do everything because uh, you're going to be disappointed and you're very, very likely going to
1: fail. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Focusing is very important. And I, I, you know, I think people don't understand how uh, Gary Vee shares about that because, you know, uh, he has a team. who can can repurpose content, who can uh, cover all these platforms. But he started on Twitter. You know, he spent uh, seven years uh, to post uh, content on Twitter. Uh, Then he... covered youtube and other channels but with a team you know who can help to uh handle all this uh, content repurposing yeah so yeah okay steve it's a big pleasure to get my show to learn from you tell our audience how they can reach out to you learn more about you follow you cool
0: yeah so um i'm easy man to find just google steven van vasem uh you'll find my twitter linkedin um you can find me at conductor.com as well um, if you have any questions, just uh, send me a
1: message. Happy to answer them. Okay, guys. Thanks you for having me, it. Antoli. <laughs> yeah, big pleasure. You know, you share a lot of valuable insights. I love it. So, yeah, welcome back anytime. Guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast.
0: Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use.